and uh, um, we'll uh, we'll be spending quite a bit of time in it this year. So um, it would be it would be good to start reading it. And if you, if you're looking for something to read through this year and uh, to study and to spend time in, uh, I encourage you to read read along with us as we as we engage it uh, uh, weekly from the pulpit. So uh, let's pray. Father, we ask that you would grant us wisdom, uh, that we would be able to discern um, and know good from evil. Help us, Lord, not to remain as fools, uh, but to become wise through seeking knowledge and wisdom as you have provided it, most prominently in and through your beloved son, Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. So happy new year. Happy new year. Um, uh, uh, Chad Bird uh, says that as a happy new year, right, uh, that this is the annual festival of we're not good enough, not skinny enough, not nice enough, not smart enough, he says, it's the unholy day of the little law that always accuses us. I don't know about you, but right, every new year, I always dread trying to think of my goals for the year, right? And I dread it because I feel like they're always the same, right? It's like every year, it's like, oh yeah, I should have worked out more. I should have eaten healthier, right? I should have read more books or... Right? I mean, you can fill in the blank with those things, but for me, it's always the same thing every year that I, I just didn't do. And so um, he, he finishes, though, that statement, which sounds really depressing at first, I admit. Uh, then he says, today and every day, hear this, Christ is our enough. In him alone, we are 100% pleasing to God. Um, that's a good way to begin the new year right there, is, is thinking about Jesus being uh, our enough. But but we all need a new beginning, right? We all need, uh, and perhaps this is why we like the new year, is it gives us, it offers us a chance to hit the reset button and to start over, right? Um, if we did kind of mess up during the year on, on some uh, program or, or some goal that we had, uh, we get to start over again. And that, that, part's, that part's nice. Um, it's a new beginning for us. And... Uh, as a new beginning, uh, Proverbs is a great book for us to consider um, and, and, and think about um, how it is that we are to live our lives. And um, I want to say Proverbs is not a book about how to have our best life now. Um, so uh, we can't approach Proverbs like we are cracking open fortune cookies, right? Each time we look at a proverb, it's not a fortune cookie to look at. Um, we, we have to consider uh, a lot of different things. There's, there's just so much more to reading and, and hearing and, 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 and soaking in the book of Proverbs. It's a lot like, if we were to describe it as a candy, how many kids in here like candy, right? Anybody ever had a jawbreaker before? Yeah? I mean, I don't know if kids even have jawbreakers anymore. I feel like my kids haven't had one yet. Anyway, so, but I have to give them one. Um, you don't bite into a jawbreaker, right? If you bite into a jawbreaker, what happens? Crack tooth. Yeah, break your jaw. It's a jawbreaker, exactly. That's a good description. 
Um, so, so what you do with a jawbreaker is you let it you know, soak in your mouth and you, and you take out, you extract all the flavors and you enjoy it, right? It takes a long time to, to really take in a jawbreaker, at least the right way. And that's a, that's a lot like Proverbs. Um, it takes time to reflect and, and meditate and, and really think on it in order to gain insight into the book of Proverbs. And that's, that's how we have to approach it um, when we're thinking about Proverbs. So, so the first seven verses, um, they're, they're like the introduction to the introduction. And, 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 and in the first um, seven verses, we have the, the main theme of the entire book. So it's a theme that we'll continually look at through this whole series. And, and so the opening chapters, they teach us that knowing God makes us wise for everyday life. Having a relationship with God makes you wiser in your daily living. There's a, there's a connection there. There's a, a, a relation there. And so that's what I want you to get from this passage today, that having a relationship with God helps you get through day, daily life. Um, it's how you know what to do when uh, you suddenly lose your job or you unexpectedly uh, come across a large sum of money, right? How do I spend it? Do I invest some of it? Do I spend it all right away? Um, or or um, how to go about mending a broken relationship, right? How do I not make things worse? How do I improve things? How do I make things better, right? All of these things require wisdom. How do we get good results? Let me ask, has anyone ever been in a situation where you lacked wisdom before? I only see a few hands. Come on. <laughs> All right, well, let me share one example that uh, I have of lacking wisdom. I have many examples that I could go to, um, but just the first that comes to mind right now is uh, back uh, when I was in college, um, I did not uh, get ready for an exam, and I had the exam the next day. And so I was stressing out, and I said, okay, I'm going to study all night long. Oh, I, I hear a lot of people are like, that's not wise. Yeah, you're right. So I studied all night long, stayed up, right, studying, studying all of my lecture notes, all the, you know, all the details and all that. And I got to my exam, and I sat down, and I was so tired, right, But because of co- coffee and energy drinks, like, they did nothing for me anymore. It was past the point of return. And I almost fell asleep on the exam, and I barely finished in time. And what did I learn uh, after all that, right? First of all, I should probably study well in advance for the exam. Yes, of course. But, but if you're in a pinch, right, you have several exams, what do you do? I learned, right, that at least for me, it's better to just stay up till like 1 a.m., right? Not an all-nighter, but just like a, almost all-nighter, right? Like the one, one or two and then get like five hours of sleep, and then get up for your exam. At least you're a little bit more fresh. I can think better on my feet. I can remember what I actually studied. So it was a better process, right? I learned through bad experience how to have a better experience, right? But I lacked wisdom. That's one example. I'm sure you guys have examples of lacking wisdom, right? Some examples? More hands? All right. Uh, that's a good question. Must have, right? Because I eventually went on seven years later. No. Um, all of us are in need of wisdom, though, in different areas of our lives, right? And so that Proverbs offers us a chance of, of gaining, of, of getting wisdom. And so I want us to think about first what wisdom is. So if you're taking notes, 
uh, we're going to look at what, what wisdom is. And then second, I want us to look at and consider how it is that we can get wisdom. Right? How can we become wise? So Proverbs 1.1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. Um, so we learn that the main author of this book is Solomon, who was a king. And man, I tell you, if we want to know where we're supposed to look for wisdom, there's probably no better place to go than a guy like Solomon, right? He would be our guy because when he lived, right, he was, he was so incredibly wise. Um, first of all, he was wise because he asked, he prayed to God that he would be wise. And God answered that prayer. But then... I mean, the results of that, uh, kings and queens from all over would travel to go hear the wisdom of Solomon. So, I mean, he is our guy. If we want to know what it is to be wise, where to get wisdom, how to be wise, all that, he would be our guy. Uh, he's a good guide, a reliable one. And so Proverbs itself, it even says, verse 2, that for those who want to know wisdom, right, this is, this is where we're to look. So what is wisdom? Um, the Hebrew word for wisdom is chokmah. I want you to say that after me. Everybody say chokmah. All right, let's do it one more time. Just get it burned in the memory. Chokmah. Chokmah. That's wisdom, okay? So now everybody knows the Hebrew word. So you've already accomplished one new Hebrew word vocabulary word, so you can learn Hebrew. Here we go. You're, you're, not, you're well on your way this year. Good job. Um, and you met your quota if you just wanted to learn a new word for the year. This is, this is it. So congratulations. Um, but in the West, right, so we, we tend to think of knowledge as wisdom. So we think they're the same thing. Uh, so if I want to get wisdom, if I need to be wise on something, right, uh, I, well, I'm going to Wikipedia it. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google search it. Um, I just need to know the facts, right? I just need to know the information, and I get that information into my head, and then, of course, if I apply that, then it's, that's wisdom. That's how we tend to view um, what wisdom is. But the Hebrews, they viewed chokmah. What's chokmah? Any, any children know? Wisdom, right. So the Hebrews viewed chokmah differently. Uh, a person who is wise know what's right, knows what's right, what's good, what's best, and they will practice uh, what they know, they will put that into practice. And so there was no separation of, of head knowledge and, and practice. Those things were, were interconnected. They were wed together. And so if you knew it, you did it. If you didn't do it, that just meant you didn't know it, right? Those things were, well, they went together. Um, James K.A. Smith, uh, one uh, author, theologian, uh, philosopher, he, he gets it when he says, uh, you can't think your way into new habits. Right? Um, that's, that's, that's a helpful way of thinking, thinking about it and looking at it. Um, so wisdom is the kind of knowledge that helps us understand what's happening around us. It's the kind of knowledge that helps us navigate the world in its complexities and know how to best respond in a situation, what to do. Um, how do we respond to criticism? You know, if somebody has a, a criticism of me, how do I respond to that? The answer, right, however we answer that, tells us whether we're wise or not. Proverbs 1, 1 through 6 teaches us that uh, wisdom, uh, what it is, it teaches us um, 
by, by kind of teasing out its definition, right? I mentioned the jawbreaker, right, the hard candy. Um, we're going to get to what wisdom is by looking at it in a couple different parts. And so there's four main parts that I want us to think about here. Um, it describes wisdom in these four ways. So first, Proverbs 1-2 says, wisdom is instruction. That's the first thing. Wisdom's instruction. So this word can mean uh, correction. It can mean discipline. Um, like somebody coming to uh, rebuke you for something that you did was wrong or, or out of line. Um, and, and, and as we're going to see in Proverbs, Proverbs teaches us that a wise person is someone who surrounds themselves with people in their life who can correct them. Do you have someone in your life who can tell you that you're driving the wrong way? Right? Is anybody close enough to you in relation to you, and do you trust them enough to be able to get that kind of guidance, to get that kind of strong word from them, that strong word of correction? Um, Do you let people in enough to be able to ask those hard questions? It might be a a pastor or an elder or a deacon or a parent or a friend or a brother or sister in Christ, but uh, I want to encourage everyone to to find someone or a couple people, right, a group of, of, of friends, a group of of people that can, that can kind of help you along um, and give you instruction. That's the first part of wisdom. The second description is found uh, in verse 3. So we see, to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. The second thing about wisdom is it's, it's to be able to know the difference between good and evil. Uh, so a wise person is not necessarily a smart person. Uh, somebody with a high IQ, right, or uh, somebody, somebody who's incredibly smart, but is somebody who, who's able to discern the difference between right and wrong. That's a wise person. Wisdom is ethical. Uh, and this concept of knowledge as knowing the difference between good and evil comes to us from the very beginning, uh, opening pages of the Bible. Uh, does anybody know that story? Back in Genesis, Adam and Eve, yeah, those, those two kind of important people in history. And so God says to Adam and Eve, right, you can eat from any tree in this garden except for one tree. And what was the name of that tree? Tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? The tree of knowledge of good and evil is the one that they could not eat from. Now, now why would God forbid that tree? Uh, did you, did you just make this arbitrary rule? You know, don't eat from this tree just because? Um, of course not, right? Um, he didn't put the, the tree there for no good reason. Uh, there was a reason, and, and that reason was um, to see if they would trust in God for wisdom or if they would trust in themselves. Would they trust God, or would they, would they depend on God, or um, would they look to other places and other sources of wisdom. And, of course, we know the story. They did not submit to God. Um, they took the ancient serpent's advice, and they thought uh, the fruit w- that would make one wise, remember that? That's, that's a phrase that, that's used. That it looked good to the eyes, and it looked like it could make one wise. And so they, they took from the fruit, they ate, and they became foolish. Um, King Solomon asked the Lord in 1 Kings 3.9 for the ability to discern between good and evil. I mentioned God granted him that prayer. That's why he was such a wise person. That's why so many kings and queens flocked to hear his wisdom. Uh, That's how we we have a book called Proverbs that's written 
mostly by, by King Solomon. But notice, you know, he didn't ask for a higher GPA, right? He, he asked to know the difference between, wisdom, uh, between good and evil, right? To know what, what, what is a righteous way to live and what is a path that leads to evil? What is a path that leads to destruction? And so that's the second way that wisdom is described, has that ethical implication. And then this third description is in verse 4, described as prudence, right? Verse 4, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Um, wisdom's having discernment. Uh, notice Solomon wants to give this kind of discernment to the young. Um, young people are inexperienced. It's just that's by nature of being young, right? You have less experience than someone who's much older than you. Um, It's why it's so hard for young people to get a good job, right? You have to have the job experience to get the job, but you can't get experience without working, right? But so it's a conundrum there. Anyways, tangent, don't sidetrack. Um, there's, you don't have the life experience uh, yet to begin to be a discerning person. And so Solomon wants to give that. He wants to impart that. Um, a good friend of mine is a pastor's kid, uh, a PK. I know what you're all thinking right now. Poor kid, right? Everybody, no? Um, pastor's kids, they have it, they have it rough. Right? Um, and just for the record, don't call my kid a pastor's kid, even though he is a pastor's kid, right? Um, just, just... He's a kid just like everybody else, right? He's a normal kid just like anyone else, uh, all, all three of my kids. But um, we are, we are um, um, my, my, my friend and I, uh, who's a pastor's kid, um, which I shouldn't call him that. He's a son of a pastor. There you go. Um, we were reminiscing on our lives, and we were talking about, um, yeah, just, just what, our, what our teenage experience was like what our years, you know, being 16 and 17 and 18 and the choices that we made. And as we were reminiscing, as we were going back, um, I realized that during those years, I made a lot of bad choices because I didn't listen to my father's instruction. He was a kid who did listen to his father's instruction. So it was very interesting to see how different our paths were and how hard um, I had to come by wisdom versus how easy it was for him because he listened to instruction. Um, and, and one of those things, um, one of those bad choices was that I, I bought into the lie that you have to experience something first in order to know it, right? And my friend, he was like, I don't need to experience it because I knew it because I was told what would happen if I had done that thing. I knew what it would lead to. And one example of that um, in, in our lives was uh, sex before marriage, Right? That was one that I thought you have to experience that before getting married. And he didn't. Uh, Thankfully, by God's grace, we're both happily married now. But I had to learn the hard way, right? He didn't because he listened to wisdom. He was wise because he listened to instruction. He was discerning. And so that's the third one. Um, The the fourth description of wisdom says, uh, verses 5 through 6, we see this. That wisdom is listening, it's learning, and it's seeking guidance. So let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Did anyone catch that, that, a, that a wise person is someone who continues to learn? Maybe it's just me, but when I think of a wise person, right, I usually think, like, that's somebody who's arrived. Like, they are a wise sage 
Like, that's why you go to them, because they know everything. Proverbs is saying a wise person is somebody who continues to learn, right? Who continues to listen to instruction. Who continues to look to others for guidance. And the whole point of the, the, the Proverbs is to help us obtain wisdom, right? To understand a proverb so we can grow in wisdom, make wise choices for everyday life. And so if we want to know when we should confront somebody and when we shouldn't, we need wisdom. If we want to know how we should raise our kids, what's the best way to parent? How do I approach them on this difficult issue? Right? We need wisdom. If we want to know how to manage our finances or what career path we need to choose or um, who we are to marry or how to be free from lust or greed or pride, right? we need wisdom. So the question before us this morning is, how can we get it? How can we become wise people? Thankfully, there's an answer, and it's easy enough that anybody can start on this journey. What's hard about it, though, is that if you want wisdom, then we have to give up our independence. That's the hard part. If we want wisdom, we have to give up being the know-it-all. Anybody have a hard time with that one? Right? Being the know-it-all? Uh, it's really hard for us, I think, to say, I don't know, or I need help. Right? Those are two things. Maybe, maybe you're in one of those categories. But either way, you're a know-it-all. You know, it's not just about the knowledge. But um, there's a Christmas movie that we watch every December. And it's not Elf. I know you're all thinking, although we watch that one too. Uh, there's another movie. It's not How the Grinch Stole Christmas, although that one's on the list as well. There's another movie. Can anybody guess this other Christmas movie? Whoa. Christmas Story. What else? Christmas Vacation. That's a good one. Didn't watch it this year. Um, any others? Christmas Carol. It's a Wonderful Life. Die Hard. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. So is Mean Girls, though, according to that logic, because there's Christmas. <laughs> Home Alone. Home Alone's on the list. Not, not the one I'm thinking of. Okay. Polar Express. Somebody said that. Who said that? Yes, you got it. Finally. That's it. That was the one. Uh, and we watched that because I was the unwise father who did not put the parental code on, and so one of our sons actually clicked the button. Instead of hitting rent, they clicked purchase. And so we have that movie forever, right? So we always watch that movie because, foolishly, now we have that movie. Uh, my fault. So, but right, if you watch Polar Express, there's this character, and he's in yellow pajamas, and he's got glasses. Does anybody know that character's name? Know-it-all guy. Who said that? Man, your family's got this down. All right, know-it-all kid. Yeah, that's, that's him. Uh, that's his name. Uh, not really a name, but that's, that's how he's described, and, and that is who he is. Um, so his first words, first words out of his mouth are, hey, you, yeah, you, do you know what kind of train this is? Right? And he says that just so that he can show this other kid how much he knows about trains. Right? He's the know-it-all kid. That's exactly who he is. That's how he's introduced. Um, he comes across as very smart, and um, Tom Hanks is, is uh, the conductor in this movie, and he, he punches his ticket, 
And know-it-all kid responds. He says, boy, that guy sure likes to show off with his ticket punch. Look at, that, look at look what that wise guy punched on my ticket. L-E. What the heck does that mean? Right? And he's, he's already just this know-it-all kid. He's just a, a little punk. Uh, and, and so later towards the end of the movie, when the conductor once again punches this ticket, right, he looks at it, and it reads now lean. And he's looking at it, and he's going lean. And he doesn't understand right, that his finger is covering up a letter. His final response is telling, right? Hey, are you saying I don't know how to... Oh, I'm sorry. It says learn. My mistake, right? And it's like this pivotal moment in Know-It-All's life. He finally realizes that he does not learn, right? He doesn't know it all. And he, he actually made a mistake, right? There's something he didn't know. And he finally comes to this realization where he, he, he realizes that he doesn't know all the answers. It's a great moment. Um, I don't really care much for the movie, but I really like Know-It-All Kid. Right? He's, he's my guy. Um, because it reminds us right, of how people are. Each of us are like this kid. We don't realize that we don't know it all, or we, we don't have all the answers, or that we, we can't fix everything that comes at us. And so a question we have to ask ourselves is, am I open, right? Am I somebody who's open to the instruction of the Lord, or am I stubborn like know-it-all kid? Um, the message of Disney seems to always be just follow your heart, but the Bible tells us the, the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Right? So to follow your heart would be foolish because that would lead me down the path of destruction. Right? So only a fool would follow a wicked heart. So we need a better guide than that. And Proverbs offers us the solution. I want us to look at verse 7. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, when we think of the word beginning, um, especially now that it's a new year, right, we always think beginning means the start of something. This word for beginning, though, is much more than that. It's a word that means foundational. In other words, without the fear of the Lord, right, we cannot have wisdom. The fear of this God who created all things is the beginning of wisdom. To fear and revere him is to understand our place in this creation, our place in this world. It's to know how to best live in this world that God has constructed, that he has made with his hands, how to live in it. It's the fear of the Lord that Mr. and Mrs. Beaver described to the children in C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Gosh, that's such a great book. You've got to read that. Um, my dad used to read it to me when I was a kid. But uh, uh, in this scene with Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, it goes like this. Aslan's a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear, appear before Aslan without their knees knocking... They're either braver than, braver than most or just plain silly. Then isn't he safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. 
I love that scene because it gets at the fear of the Lord. Now, fear is not um, knees knocking out of cringing terror, right? That's not why you fear the Lord. Uh, It's an attitude of awe and reverence and wonder at God's majesty. The New Testament teaches us that the, the relationship Proverbs is calling for can be realized only through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself is, as Paul puts it in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he is the wisdom of God. He is the one in whom God's wisdom is hidden, according to uh, Colossians chapter 2. And at the beginning of Proverbs in verse 1, we read of wisdom as being connected or, or rooted in Solomon. Now, Solomon was a king, right? I mentioned that. Um, there was a, a descriptor also of Solomon as the son of David. Right? So he was king of Israel and he was the son of David. Those are two important things for us to think about. Solomon in all his wisdom, if we think about who Solomon was, even though he was wise, even though all of these people flocked to hear his wisdom, was he wise or was he a fool? Looking at the end of his life. I mean, if anybody knows that story. He was foolish. He was foolish. And um, if we look at the history of, from Solomon's son to, uh, you know, sons and sons and sons, and, and just their history, the history of Israel, what we see is folly again and again, such that the whole nation of Israel went under because of their foolishness, right? They refused to listen to the Lord. And so we can't look at Solomon as the true son of David or the true king of Israel. We have to see that the true son and the true king is another, and that another is the one who the New Testament points us to as Jesus, right, of Nazareth, the Messiah who establishes a forever kingdom who will rule in perfect wisdom, the one that Isaiah 11 promises. And I want to read Isaiah 11 because it really captures so beautifully and eloquently, wisdom incarnate. So just, just listen to this, right? <clears throat> and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his del- delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth, Right? I mean, we literally, like line by line, you see Proverbs, the opening of Proverbs is described in Isaiah 11, and it captures the life of Jesus, that he truly is the wisdom of God. We see above all else that wisdom is not so much a concept or an idea, but wisdom is a person. Wisdom is Jesus Christ himself. And he's someone who offers a relationship with you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom. Don't despise Jesus. Begin this year with a deeper, or maybe for the first time ever, for with a, a relationship with Jesus, the one who's true wisdom. Wisdom's a person who loved you so much that he died in the place of fools like us. We might think that we're above him. We might still be know-it-alls. 
But Jesus humbled himself for you. He was broken for you. He did this not only so that you could worship and revere him, but also so that you could grow wise like him. So look to him, turn to Jesus, trust in him, and gain wisdom. Let's pray.